Welcome back to the show, all you beautiful, dazzling people. You are not sheep, because if you're listening to this podcast, you are automatically a goat. And that's just the way it is, guys. I don't make the rules. Um, I just live in this incarnation, and I call it home. So, we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can on the day-to-day. Um, Today, we got a fun show. We're doing some stuff about Hermes Trimagistus and the Cabalian and I don't know how to say the name of it but most ideas well I guess all of the ideas that I'm talking about today come from that book which is sort of a more new age type text um yeah it's uh, there's some contentions about if it's actually a hermetic text or if it's a new age text. Um, the new age is another one of those things that we got from Crowley, I guess. And because he called it the new age, the Aeon of Horus. Um, and then I think new age just sort of got associated with that. But anyways. My life of vices. When the pupil is ready to receive the truth... Then will this little book come to him or her. Such is the law. The law of attraction will bring lips and ear together, pupil and book in company. So mote it be. And now I'm breaking the sort of rules here, and I'm just not even going to assume any of you have read the book, and I'm just going to tell you about what it's about. And you're not going to get the same stuff, because apparently the text is supposedly... One of those things that's sort of more of a parable, or can be taken more than one way, I guess. And a lot of, um, alchemical or magical, I guess, uh, type texts will, will do this type of thing. So, it's a very common practice. Um, so today's show is about Hermes Trismegistus, Trismegistus, or the thrice greatest Hermes. So, there were two gods who were worshipped as one. Uh, it is said that the Egyptian god Thoth, or Thoth, I'm not sure which is correct, um, or which I'll decide to use, because I'm kind of a wild card that way, but the Egyptian god Thoth, and as well as the Greek god Hermes. So, it was understood in the Ptolemaic Kingdom that the two deities of these cultures were actually one and the same. Thoth was the Egyptian god of wisdom, usually depicted with the head of an ibis. And you'll notice as well, he's usually uh, holding a papyrus reed and a little tablet or whatever. He's he's like a scribe. He's writing stuff down. Hermes was one of the most clever and mischievous of all gods. He's the trickster god. He's associated with wisdom, uh, communication, um, I believe he is a scribe as well, and he was the heralder of Mount Olympus, so, the heralder and the messenger. So, Hermes 
Trismegistus was said to have lived long before the days of Moses. Many Christian writers saw him as a pagan prophet that foresaw Christianity. These writers also believe in Prisca Theologia, which is said to be the single true theology that threads together all religions. It was given to man in ancient times directly from God and passed through a series of prophets, including Zoroaster and Plato. If you don't know about Zoroaster, I don't know a lot. Um, he seems to be very interesting. And also because I'm obsessed with Nietzsche and really getting into him. And he wrote uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which I haven't read yet, but I really want to. Which is um, sort of a take on Zoroaster, I think. It has Zoroaster in it, I believe. Um, while some believed him to be a prophet and others a god... It is said he possessed the three parts of wisdom of the universe. So it's legend that he lived for 2,000 years and that he knew essentially um, science, um, alchemy, astrology. He was the keeper of all the secrets of pretty much all the wisdom. He is said to be the author of the Emerald Tablet and the Hermetic Corpus or the Corpus Hermetica. Corpus Hermetica? A work that covers everything from alchemy and astrology to nature and the cosmos. So, he's the scribe of the gods. It is said all basic and fundamental esoteric teachings from every culture can be traced back to him directly. From lip to ear, the truth has been handed down among the few. That's a quote from a book. Um, there's a bunch of little cool quotes from the books from the three initiates who are supposedly the authors of the Kybalion. Now, I have a quote from Manly P. Hall, and this is from The Secret Teachings of All Ages. It says, Master of all arts and sciences, Master of all arts and sciences, perfect in all crafts, ruler of the three worlds, scribe of the gods, and keeper of the books of life. Both Hermes Trismegistus, the three times greatest, the first intelligencer was regarded by the ancient Egyptians as the embodiment of the universal mind. While in all probability there actually existed a great sage and educator by the name of Hermes, it is impossible to extricate the historical man from the mass of legendary accounts which attempt to identify him with the cosmic principle of thought. So, it probably was a real guy, but he has achieved legendary status and they actually elevated him into godhood, uh, some people believe, because of how excellent he was with all of the arts and sciences. So, the ideas in this book are said to be ideas that have been taken from uh, hermetic um, ideas or hermetic texts, and we're talking about the seven hermetic principles. So, I came into contact with these ideas through the Kybalion, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. And I got it at a bookstore, which I will not name. And the book is said to be authored by the Three Initiates, and it discusses the Seven Hermetic Principles. These ideas would later go on to fuel the new thought movements of the early 20th century. The first principle or axiom is the principle of mentalism. The all is mind, the universe is mental. So the all being defined as the material universe, the phenomenon of life, matter, energy, and everything that is apparent to our senses. This is also called spirit, which in itself is unknowable and also undefinable, 
but which may be thought of as a universal, infinite living mind. So once again, the all is mind, the universe is mental. This is interesting because some uh, scientists actually believe that the universe is shaped like the neurons in a brain. So that's that goes on to another principle that I'll mention later. So it teaches that the universe itself is just a mental creation stemming from the all. So one of the main points to understand is that first... Everything is mental. Anything that happens has a mental state which precedes it. We see this, for example, in uh, neuroscience. So we actually see this in a few places in science. We see this in neuroscience with the way that our senses aren't actually detecting things. They're just sort of very good at guessing. And that's something that neuroscience is accepted today. Um, another way is quantum mechanics, which is something that I can't really claim, or quantum physics, sorry. Uh, I can't really claim to know too much about, but the idea is the er observer effect. And if you aren't familiar with the observer effect, it's difficult to sum up, but basically it is the theory that the mere observation of a phenomenon inevitably changes that phenomenon. This is often the result of instruments that, by necessity, alter the state of what they measure in some manner. So, you see that in different types of experiments in quantum physics. Basically, the idea is that there's no way to interact with anything without the processes of the mind. And also that the universe is a mind from the all, which is a cool kind of concept to go through. Um, the book goes into each of these in more detail, but I'm just going to kind of brush through them. This is probably just going to be a bonus episode, but I think this stuff is cool to think about, and I think it's stuff that will help you understand some of the things that we're going to try to talk to later that might be more, um, what's the word, just might be more dense, I guess or hard to conceptualize, and so these will sort of help with that. So next we have the principle of correspondence. As above, so below. As below, so above. As within, so without. As without, so within. We see this principle when comparing micro and macrocosms, which is something I just barely mentioned with the brain thing. Also how um, different things in the galaxies like this okay so maybe like how your eye could look like a supernova or something like that um or the lines on a leaf can look like the veins in your body um this concept teaches also that there are three planes which function in harmony the great physical plane the great mental plane and the great spiritual plane uh while there are planes beyond our knowing we can know things that otherwise would be unknowable to us by applying the principle of correspondence. So we're able to understand things on a bigger level by understanding them on a smaller level. We're able to understand things on a smaller level by understanding them on a bigger level. Sort of a weird way to say that. It is also said that the principle of correspondence is how the ancients were able to use geometry to measure the distance between planets and build monuments in nearly perfect alignment with the stars. 
I'm sure you've all heard about the pyramids and uh, different, all kinds of different structures that ancient uh, peoples built that are just uncannily, um, perfectly demonstrating either the size of the earth or the distance from the earth to the sun, um, all kinds of very interesting things with that. So next we have the principle of vibration. Everything is in motion, nothing rests, everything vibrates. So modern physics also corroborated this idea with the discovery of wave particles and by increasingly smaller increments of studying matter. Everything is always in flux and changing. So mental, physical, spiritual, and energetic vibrational levels are said to work on a scale scale where the all represents the highest vibrational level possible, almost to the point of being completely at rest. Because of this principle, we have mental transmutation, which is essentially the ability to change one's vibrational state by changing one's perception. This is an important concept because it is the basis of mental alchemy, a process that many are unknowingly practicing, but few become truly adept at. Now, you'll notice that a lot of these ideas will work together, and some of them will actually contradict each other, which is interesting. For our next principle, we have the principle of polarity, which is everything has poles. Everything has poles. This is the idea of dualism. Understanding that everything has positive and negative qualities can be incredibly beneficial. This is also an essential teaching in in alchemy and mental transmutation. Everything is and isn't. All truth is but half-truth, and every truth is half-false. Everything has poles. Everything has its opposites. This explains many of the old paradoxes. For example, thesis and antithesis are identical in nature, but different in degree. Opposites are the same, differing only in degree. The pairs of opposites may be reconciled. Extremes meet. Everything is and isn't at the same time. Which, everything is and isn't at the same time. That sounds like a quote by the Mad Hatter or something. I love the Mad Hatter, by the way. (sighs) Huge Alice in Wonderland fan. (sighs) Okay. So, we can see this principle in many examples, but some of the easiest are heat and cold, which really, if you think about it, are the same thing. Just difference in degrees, quite literally. That's probably the best example I could think of. There's no way to divide heat and cold on a thermometer. While there is like a freezing point and a boiling point, that's not the same as being like, okay, this is where hot begins and this is where cold begins, or like... You know what I mean? It's it's a gray area. It's it yeah. Similarly, light and darkness don't seem to have a dividing line either. There's only varying degrees of light and darkness. Sharp and dull, soft and hard, big and small, high and low, loud and quiet. <sighs> I could probably go on, but I think you get the idea. One of the most interesting things to me about this one was love and hate, and I heard a quote once, I can't remember exactly where it comes from, so forgive me for that, but it's basically saying, it says, hate is angry love, and I think that's a really telling analogy, they're the same thing, just different in levels of aversion and attraction. Hermeticism teaches that it is possible to transmute things from one state to another using this principle. The hermetic alchemist can transmute states by applying the law of polarity and raising vibration. This is often referred to as mental alchemy, which we have mentioned in the past couple of principles. 
And it is said that a thorough understanding of this principle can give one not only the ability to change their own polarity, but also the ability to change the polarity of others. That idea is really cool, and it reminds me of Indra's net, which if you haven't heard of it, it's sort of a Hindu-slash-Buddhist idea that Indra, who was the king of all the gods, created the universe out of a giant net, and... The net contains every known thing in the universe, with each node being, I guess, a spirit or maybe some piece of matter. I'm not exactly sure, but each node on the net is represented by each thing in the universe. And by raising your vibration, the vibration of your node, or you, um, it's said that it also raises the vibrations of all the things around you connected on the net, which just kind of branches out and can actually spread through the whole net, which is a really cool idea. Next, we have the principle of rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. So we can kind of see how the principles are starting to build on each other. And also again how the ideas presented can be linked back to modern science. With the principles of mentalism, vibration, and rhythm being manifest in the particle wave experiments. The particle wave experiments are pretty cool. Um, the principle of vibration teaches that there is always action and reaction. An advance and a retreat, a rising and a sinking. This idea also seems to be present with the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, which is said to sound like an inhalation and exhalation of breath. True masters of this principle recognize the pendulum swing in all things and are able to consciously apply this principle in mental alchemy. Next, we have the principle of cause and effect. Nothing ever merely happens. There is no such thing as chance. What we call chance is really just an inability to sense the cause that brought the effect to fruition. Mental alchemists understand this law, and this teaches them to become the cause of phenomenon instead of the effect. The analogy in the Kabbalion is that some are pawns and some are movers. Master, masters of this principle play the game of life instead of being played by it. They use the principle instead of being its tool. I thought that was sort of a cool idea. And I think um, it goes a long way. It's like chess. You have to sort of be looking to what's the cause and effect going to have on this, on my opponent, and like how are they going to react, and then how am I going to react after that. So you kind of have to see a few moves ahead, which can be extremely beneficial in life. And it's something that we all probably need to work on a little bit. So, now we have the principle of gender. Now, while I'm sure we all have a lot to say about gender, this doesn't mean everything is girls and boys. Um, it's more like masculine and feminine principles. The idea is that gender manifests on all planes. On the physical plane, on the physical plane, this is manifested as sex. In the higher planes, it takes higher forms. None of the creations on any plane are possible without this principle. To the pure, all things pure. To the base, all things base. And I thought that was uh, kind of a cool quote to end it on.